Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hey, everyone. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. You know, David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know, we love talking and learning about everything related to sex and sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. We love diving deep into the naughty, the taboo, and the unknown. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because, well, great sex matters. And we all deserve it. We sure do. So, have you ever wondered what makes people want to open up their marriage? Perhaps you are having discussions about how you too can get on the bandwagon of having consensual sex with other compatible singles and couples just like us. On today's show, we're going to get into our favorite topics, open relationships, consensual non-monogamy, and polyamory. We'll be talking all about why people are opening up more now than ever before. And we'll get into some great tips and tricks for couples that will ensure their primary relationship stays solid while their connections grow with extracurricular sexual experiences that they fantasize about. Oh, yeah. And as we do on every show, we need to tell you about our must-have top waterproof blanket, which now comes in four reversible colors because nobody wants to sleep in that wet spot and squirt is hot until it's not. So if you're fed up with sleeping in that wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils and silicone lubes to all other sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer, and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply go to Amazon and search Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P waterproof blanket and order yours today well great sex starts now it sure does and before we forget we want to invite you to join us with april and scott from the naughty gym as they host their first full takeover of hedonism 2 in jamaica for the week of january 6th to 13th 2024 we're going to be there broadcasting on location for this awesome sexy fitness week for more information go to our website thesexylifestyle.com and book your week now do it and we'll see you there. Alrighty, enough of commercials. Let's get on with the show. You know, we're Carol and David. This is the Sexy Lifestyle, and we are so excited to welcome today's special guest. Sexologist Dr. Holly Richmond is an author, a sex therapist, a sexual health coach, and a sex tech consultant. Thank you for being here and taking the time, Dr. Holly. It's going to be fun having a nice discussion today. I am so excited to be here, and Carol and David, it's um, it's great to be on with you. It's such a fabulous podcast and resource for people, so um, I'm just honored to be included. Very, very great. Thank you so much for that. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about who you are and how you got into this realm of sexuality? Yeah, so um, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have a PhD in somatic psychology, and then the sex therapy certification on with that. So I just for people to kind of ground them in how I put these things together. So there's the focus on the individual and couples. Um, and then within that, the body, because I don't feel like we can talk about relationships if we're not talking about the body. So for any of you who don't know what somatic psychotherapy is, it's the study of the body. And then how can we talk about the body if we're not talking about sex? So relationships, bodies, sexualities, it just doesn't make sense to me any other way than to put those three together. And how did you get into this realm and, and end up in the sexuality realm? Yeah, so I, um, this is my third career. The second was as a journalist, and I was teaching creative writing at a girls' detention facility in Southern California, uh, and they were just writing story after story of sexual trauma, gang rape, sexual abuse, date rape, and obviously, um, coming at this from the journalism perspective, I had no idea how to help them. Uh, and it really like that experience changed my life. I went back to school and got my master's in clinical psychology, my PhD in somatic psychology, and I did my 3000 hours of training at the Santa Barbara Wright Crisis Center. Wow. Um, 
And, and during that internship, I was taught very well how to treat sexual trauma, but I realized there was this huge missing piece and that missing piece is what comes next. So the healthy relationships and the healthy sexual sexuality, no one was talking about sex therapy in the context of sexual trauma. Um, so that's what I've been studying literally for the last 15 years. And that's what Reclaiming Pleasure is about. Yeah. Very, very cool. We're going to talk about your book in just a second. But I'm always mm-hmm. curious, um, you know, our, our show has been so successful because of the amazing guests like yourself who educate people um, when they listen. But when you were growing up as a teenager, were you like sexually interested in um, starting things early? Did you lose your virginity at a young age? Were you the girl who like wanted to do the whole football team or did you like evolve a little bit later? <laughs> I was early. Like I had my first crush in kindergarten. It was so intense. I went to my high school reunion maybe three or four years ago now and I, I told my friend that he was my first crush and he was just laughing so hard. So I have loved boys from the jump. Um And I definitely lost my virginity on the early side. I didn't, my parents, um, super liberal, wonderful people. I can't say we talked about sex, but they didn't not talk about it, Mm -hmm. right? If I wanted to talk about it, they would have. This was the 80s. I just, I don't think we had this language yet. Like moms and dads now, like you are going to have this conversation. To me, if you're being a good parent, you're having this conversation about sexuality and consent with your kids pretty early. If I brought it up, my parents would be there. My mom supported me being on birth control. Um, But there was no really leading of those conversations. And and growing up in your teens and and, uh, college years, were you the giver in the relationship? So like Carol always talks about how she was the one who was always, you know, going down, sucking cock, giving blowjobs and wasn't, it wasn't in, there was, the sex wasn't there for her. She was always the one who wanted to please. Were you the pleaser or were you able to tell the guy, hey, you know, I'm a sexual being too. I want some pleasure as well. No, I was, I was Carol. Um, Carol and I'm guessing we're around the same age. Um, I, I don't feel like I was incredibly sexually empowered, but I also, I wasn't meek, but it was all about the guy. No one had ever told me sex was supposed to be for me and feel good. It did. Like, I I feel like I was a fairly sexual person just naturally. But it was always that people pleasing about the guy, chasing the guy, getting the attention. Um, So, yeah, I don't I don't even know if I really stepped into my sexuality until my mid 30s. Yeah, I was like a late. The early bloomer as far as sexual experiences, but as far as like great sex, mid-30s. We're going to talk about orgasms and great sex matters near the end of the show. But do you remember having your first orgasm? How how old were you? I think I do. I would have been like seven and in the backseat of my car, just like rubbing on something. It wasn't intentional at all. It was just like one of those kid orgasms. You're Mm. like... I have no idea what's happening now, but this feels good. Mm. Wow, that's very interesting. So I had not, even though I was sexually active since I was 15, my first orgasm, and I knew what it was when it happened, but I didn't really know how it got there. Uh, I wasn't doing it. I did not masturbate. Uh, And so I was with a guy and I was like 21 or 22 already when I had my first orgasm. So I was having sex for seven years and had not yet experienced an orgasm. And this was a stimulation uh, um, uh, of my clitoris. So having penetrative sex is not my way of having an orgasm anyways, but I I was new to it and I I said, wow, I know what this is and I wouldn't really know how to do it again. And I was actually afraid of masturbation. It was not something I took up until my 30s. Isn't that funny? Yeah, no, but it makes complete sense. Um, So an orgasm, um, le petit mort, right? The little death. So, and I talk about this a lot with my survivor clients, um, that little death, uh, it's a feeling of being very out of control for some Mm. people and for people with, who have a high need for control, that's, that's going to be an aversive experience. So, and if you don't know how, like, I, I loved your language. I don't know how it got here. That can be just curious or it can be like, holy shit, I don't know how that got here. Right. Right? So two sides of that. Yeah, yeah. And even when I met David, we were 42 when we got together. We were both the same age. Um, And so I kind of had a a sexual awakening when I met David and he was a real pleaser. And I had never really been able to accept pleasure openly. It was only certain times, certain moments. And he taught me how it's okay 
And so I was already 42 when I learned how to openly accept pleasure from a man. It was or a woman. It doesn't matter to me. No, I remember. I yeah. remember it. Like she was there sucking my cock, and I was like, "Babe, okay, lie down." And she's like. I'm licking her pussy and she's like, okay, give me your cock. I was like, no, just stay there, (laughs) focus on my tongue, focus on my fingers. And I love eating pussy. And I went down there for like a half an hour and I know in the back of her brain, all she wanted to do was get up and please me. And it took a little bit of Well, you were very insistent. Yeah, Yeah. I guess it was training because uh, he was in in there. He was there for me, you know, like it was okay. And me pleasuring her pleasures is is a good feeling for me. And it it took her a while and... uh, uh, we still have those moments. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so why don't you just tell us a little bit about the book? I know you released it a little while ago, but tell us about your book mm-hmm. called Reclaiming Pleasure. Yeah, so Reclaiming Pleasure, it's a sex-positive guide for moving past sexual trauma and living a passionate life. Um, so it's what I was saying before. It's just uh, there are so many people who have experienced sexual trauma, one out of every four women, one out of every nine men. Um, And we've got a lot of focus on trauma in our lexicon, but not a lot of focus on sex positivity or like really embracing um, a healthy sexual life post-trauma. It's my favorite thing, you know, to do now. Well, that and helping couples open up like there's there's two sides of the coin, um, which I should say I loved. I love my work with survivors. I loved my work at the Rape Crisis Center. And there gets a point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot do this 24 yeah, seven. Like, this is, that. yeah, it's it's heavy work. It's profound work. It's always more hopeful than it is sad. And I needed a little kink. I need a little erectile dysfunction, uh, non-monogamy. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. just like sprinkle it up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see that. So, um, you know, today's show, uh, we we would love to do it all about your book. But you already did it. So I want to yeah. direct everyone to the show that um, Dr. Holly Richman did with our good friend, Dr. Stephanie from Evolve Your Intimacy. It's a show that was done on August 12, 2022. And it was all about um, Holly's book, Reclaiming Your Pleasure. So go listen to the show. On today's show, we're going to be talking about opening up your relationship and, and all those cool things that, that Holly specializes in. However, with her book, with your book, um, one of the things you do is you have like a course that's associated with it. Why don't you just for a few minutes tell us a little bit how that works? Yeah, just um, I decided to record a course. It's a 10 module course. It's a it's a monster, you guys. But um, some people just reading doesn't, you know, people learn differently. And for some people, reading works. And for others, um, watching a video and having the prompts in a little bit different way works for them as well. So yeah, so whether the book works for you or a course, and you can find all of this information on my website, which I know you guys will put in the show notes, but it's just drhollyrichman.com. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I'm sure you'll get uh, a number of people interested in that because there unfortunately is so much sexual trauma out there. So let's get back into opening up relationships, which you said was your number two, or maybe tossed between yeah. that and that. Yeah. Um, why do you think people or do you think people are opening up more today than ever before? I mean, from my perspective, clinically, just like who's walking through my door. And when I say walking through my door, I mean my computer, um, because (laughs) I work completely virtually. Um, It is just skyrocketed in the last three years. Um, So I think there's a couple reasons for that. I think uh, sex positivity is a little bit more prevalent than it was even a decade ago. Um, people are more open to talk about it. I don't know if you guys saw the article. I think it was in the Wall Street Journal that said millennials and Zen, Gen Zs are talking about sex at work. And us Gen Xers, I'm making an assumption here. I don't know if you guys are Gen Xers, but I am. And we're just kind of like, oh, shit, what do we, is this a boundary? Is this not a boundary? What do we, what do, we do with this? Um, they're just more comfortable talking about it, which I just want to stand up and like yeah. you know, applaud. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think some of this is because of um, the Netflixes and the Amazon Prime and all the streaming services that allow really content to be put up that's not censored? I mean, there's so many shows. I mean, we'll talk about Fifty Shades of Grey, which opened up the whole yeah. world of kink and BDSM. 
And, you know, there's shows out there who talk a little bit, not necessarily about swinging and not necessarily about dungeons, but they talk about sex and talking about sex. We watched Sex Life, um, which was a really hot show. Um, they yeah. had, a, you know, a couple of episodes on swinging there. But the, the more you watch TV, the more sexuality is out there. Even what we watched Bridgerton, and that was a pretty hot sure. show, yeah. you know about sex and sexuality do you think that's fueling the 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 sexual discussion amongst couples i think that certainly helps and i'm i'm so happy for most of it because i feel like a, a lot of it gets it right some of it gets it wrong of course um but yes love all of those shows that you guys are talking about it's just it's not so secretive it's not so taboo um, the other thing I think that's going on is, um, I'm going to use this word, but, um, millennials and the Gen Zers that are, you know, they're the woke generation and I'm not sure who's, but to me, that just means less judgmental, more inclusive and kind of like a big fuck you. I'm going to be who I want right. to be. Yeah. And sex and self aren't dualistic, right? I am my sexuality. My, my sexuality is me. I think post generations it's like i'm here and my sexuality lives over here yeah. people aren't willing to do that anymore um so it's just they're they're kind of showing up how they want to show up and and i couldn't be happier about it and i mean monogamy is just freaking hard like who I, there's just not a lot of people that can be married for 40 50 years and be in integrity and i want to be specific about this word when i say integrity that's not an ethical or moral judgment that's my mind and body is on the same page, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Yep, yep, absolutely. And one of the things, you know, we talk about all the time and our listeners know we talk about topless travel and all the trips we go on. We've been swingers for 17, 18 years now and the swinging lifestyle has changed dramatically from when we started. When we started, there was orgies everywhere. There was open doors. You walk in, you can join in. You could, there was just, we call them those hardcore swingers that, that we know from the past. And now, because talking about sex has become very acceptable, socially acceptable, we see when we go on these trips that there's a lot more younger people there are people who are there who don't swing, and there's probably 50% of people that come with us to Hito, that go on Bliss Cruise, that do all these trips, that don't swing. They just want to be in a sexually charged environment. There's a lot less people in the playroom who are engaging in multi-couple sex, but they're having sex with their partner, watching other people having sex, and maybe, you know, the girls are leaning over, say, you know, to another girl, can I give you a kiss? Can I touch your tits? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. But it's a lot less hardcore, and there's a lot more people coming and discussing oh, and it and trying yeah. and watching, yeah. and then maybe a few days later, they've spoken about it, and they want to try something different. But um, the whole world of the swinging lifestyle has definitely softened. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. And... Um, for the couples that I help open up and we'll talk about, you know, there's just, there's A to Z. There's so many options for this. There's not the expectation that you have to jump in and be ready to go and know everything. Like it's just that you can, you can have such a, such a soft landing here. Yeah. Like I was saying to David in our pre-discussion is that sexual exploration is no longer taboo, right? Like you can try things out and maybe talk about them or not, but feel good about it and like not feel dirty. Like maybe you did a couple decades ago you know on the the show we did a, a few months ago um with that couple we interviewed who was with us at hito in in november in, uh, in february this was a couple who had never been naked in public ever she especially the the wife and she had body shaming issues and she thought she was fat and this was a gorgeous woman she was six feet tall she had the beautiful curves she had great tits and she was she was thinking that she wasn't pretty and she walked into Hito and within an hour she was on the nude side and she was saying, wow, there's a lot of naked people here and nobody's judging me. And her and her partner had the most amazing time. We had um, a giant orgy going on in the playroom and they didn't join the orgy, but they were just having sex with two of them on the side. And then they went back to their room and the next day, you know, the husband wanted a double blowjob. And she said, that's great as long as it's me and another girl. And they didn't become swingers. They didn't jump into the lifestyle, but they dipped their toes well, in a little bit, up. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. she wanted to lick another woman's pussy. And all she had to do was ask and it was available to her. And when they left, there's like, well, we're going home and we're a monogamous couple, 
But, you know, we just tried a couple of little things since we said, okay, well, you're not a swinger, but now you're in the lifestyle, sort of. Right. 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 But, and, and you can come and you can go and you can work with however this works for you. Like there's just, yeah. I think people used to have an expectation of, yeah, having to know it all and it's either right. all or nothing, but there's so many iterations. Now, we talk a lot about swinging. I mean, people kind of understand. Mm-hmm. Our audience definitely understands what swinging, sharing your partner with another couple. It's really for the sex, not for an intimacy. Or love. But, or love. But what is an open relationship in your mind? Oh, my gosh. An open relationship is, um, it can it can be monogamous or it can be poly. Open relationship is communication and sexual exploration. Yeah, it's just there's so many, many, many versions of it and lots of books that I recommend. But an open relationship is what two or more people decide is okay within the context of their boundaries. And just give us some examples of some permutations that you've seen just so people can really grasp the concept. Yeah, the one I like least is we're open and it's don't ask, don't tell. Oh, right. We would agree yeah. with you. Yeah, that is rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple that's just moving through that, and it's taken them a few months, and they're like, "Holy shit, that that just doesn't it just doesn't work." Right. Um, and then I have uh, one, two, uh, four people that are very poly, like they're all, but they don't all sleep together. So there's a, a, a primary person. She has a, a husband who has a girlfriend. She has a boyfriend. They have kids. I mean, it's just, it's, but they all do, the four of them do things together, but they don't all sleep together. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And you're working yeah. with them because they still have to maintain that, the strength and bond in their primary relationships. Yeah. Yeah, mm. absolutely. I started with the primary couple and um, we got to a place, I mean, I explored the shit out of their sexual templates did every trick in the book I could think of is, you know, sensate focus, every sex therapy tool that I have to try to help them have better sex. They started having better sex, but it still wasn't enough for them. So they gently opened up. She went first and then they were off to the races. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Nice. nice. Yeah. So let's, let's just back up from swinging and we'll back up from Polly mm-hmm. and the average couple, the average man probably 10 million times in his life has thought about having a threesome him his partner and another woman and sometimes it happens but is having a threesome opening up your couple or opening up your relationship or is it just like bringing a sex toy in uh i just i call it just a guest star um so (laughs) I uh, i wouldn't call it a i wouldn't call it a sex toy I don't want to minimize anyone or dehumanize them. Um, But some women, let's talk about if the third is a woman or a man, they love that role. They love being objectified. They love being used. And I think this is where the language um, in the sex positive community can get a little bit tricky for people who don't understand sex positivity. So yes, there's a woman who wants to be used, who wants to be objectified. There's going to be someone who hears that and it's like, oh my gosh, that poor thing. I feel so bad for her. Let's go rescue her. And we're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, this is what gets her choice. off. Leave yeah. her alone. Yeah. 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 No, I can imagine that because it's a little, little bit of a power trip as well because you're the one that's uh, um, being wanted at the moment. If, you, if, you, if your need is to be feel wanted in that little situation, you're definitely the one who's wanted the most of the three of you because you were brought in for a special role, a special time. Uh, so, yeah, I can kind of understand that. And you know what? Even as swingers, we have had some of the most amazing threesomes, whether it be a guy or whether it be a girl. Yeah. Um, I know we had a threesome once where um, both women, Carol is bi-situational, so she's not out there looking for women, and the other woman was not into women. And I had to please both women, and I try and explain this to my guys on my softball team. I get absolutely <laughs> no sympathy, but there I was with two naked women, and I had to do all the work. And it was a blast, but I was tired when we were done. <laughs> Poor David. <laughs> I wow. know. Let me just like get out the violin. That sounds pretty, a good reason to be tired. Yes, now, so exactly. for people who don't understand open relationships, I think a lot of the world thinks they're cheating. What do you say about that? It's the opposite. It is the absolute opposite of cheating. And that's why the don't ask, don't tell doesn't work. So let me explain that just for anyone who has any questions. So a couple comes in. And they say, 
Um, so for me, if someone's going to walk through my door, it's typically because they're not having great sex, right? So again, I'm going to try everything. And with any couple that wants to open up, I'm also going to focus on helping them have the best sex that they possibly can. But after six months, if I'm like, okay, your sexual template is super kinky, your sexual template is really romantic, we found some ways for you guys to connect, but neither of you is happy yet. So this couple decides to open up, but it's usually one of them is like, I am, I'm uh, not that they're uncomfortable with it. They're just like, I know I am a jealous person. This is going to be really hard for me. I know I'm a person where if it's like out of sight, out of mind. So yes, let's open up. I'm going to go do my thing when I travel and not tell you, you go do your thing um, either when you travel or when you're home and let's not talk about it. It just, it doesn't work. Like that feels like it's duplicitous. It feels a little bit like feeding, right? Because they're keeping a secret. Right, right. So when it's consensual non-monogamy, then that's a whole different story. Right. Well, this was consensual. It just didn't work because they were both keeping oh, secrets and they kind, of, they kind kind of came to like, okay, I need to know when you're going, uh, kind of where you're going, if you're going to a dis- dif- different city and who you're going with, but I don't want any of the details about what you're doing. Right. And did that work better? We're just starting. Okay. Stay tuned. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I can kind of imagine how that could be at least one step forward anyways. So while we're talking about this, let's bring in that word jealousy. And how does that play into open poly um, and, and the different types of, of ways people have non-monogamous sex? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it almost always plays in for at least one person in the partnership. And it is not a bad thing. It is a normal thing. It is to be expected. So how I had it explained to me is the difference between envy and jealousy. So Carol, I can look at you and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I love that shirt so much. I would love to have that shirt for myself. That is envy. Jealousy is when there's a threat. Mm. So Carol, I want your shirt, but David's telling me I can't have it. So I'm really jealous of David right now because he gets to wear your shirt and borrow your shirt, but I don't. Uh. So the jealousy is attached to threat. So let's say a couple is opening up and we're always having the conversation about this is the primary. If there's anything that threatens the primary, we need to talk about it. The jealousy comes up if one partner is like, oh, my gosh, uh, that man coming into our relationship feels like a threat to me. Yeah, that's yeah. that's how I work through jealousy. Yeah. OK. But do you, do you figure out why the, it's a threat and you try to eliminate the threat? How do you work it out? Oh, that that's like the deep psychological work, because I'm going to do all the logistics of I will say over and over again, are you not getting what you want because this other person is in play? Mm. And almost always the answer is no, no, I'm, I'm getting everything I want. I just don't like him here. So then I've got to go dig through their psyche and their childhood and their attachment. And I've got to help them figure out what's going on. Mm, interesting. You know, a lot of times and we talk about it you know, for the last six years on our show, when you get or when you decide, when you have good communication and you decide to open up your relationship, have a threesome, even bring in a sex toy, you know, the two of you have to agree that you're going in together. And we always say, if you're going in together, if shit hits the fan, you can't hold it against each other. You need to talk about it, take a step back, figure out what didn't go right and try it again or try something else. But, you know, you can't get mad at the other person because... Um, he, she sucked two cocks at the same time or he kissed a woman because you went in and you set up your guidelines that yes, kissing is okay. Yes, cock sucking is okay. No intercourse isn't okay. And mm-hmm. if, if one person does, I'll say by accident because I've been there many, many times, does something Oops. because we're, we're men and we do have these issues, um, you know, you, you, can't, you can't have that jealousy and say you did it and I didn't do it. You sit back, you talk about it, and that's why you can't come into the lifestyle without a great communication between both partners. Absolutely. And just being as clear as you can on the boundaries. And David, I feel like for all the couples I've helped open up, I almost always miss something. Like something comes out of the blue that I didn't see coming. Like I know the protocol I'm going to go through to help my couples, and I'm going to try to be aware of things that could come up. Uh, there's always something that comes in a little sideways, like you were saying. And um, so I have three rules for like healthy couples. The, the first is active appreciations daily. 
So, right, we're, we're giving each other appreciations and thank you. The second is giving each other the benefit of the doubt. And this is the one I want to talk about. So that benefit of the doubt is most um, ruptures, most miscommunications or arguments are a matter of misattunement, not malice. Mm. Right. So I just or I made a mistake. I didn't do this intentionally to hurt you. So I think if couples can hold on to that within these opening situations, they're going to be so much farther ahead. And then the third is healthy couples talk about sex. A yeah. lot. A yeah. lot. Yeah. But also admitting that you made a mistake. I think that's an important part of what you oh, yeah. taking responsibility for the mistake. You, you didn't do what we had agreed to do, but not being mad, but just stating the fact as it is and, and promising to do better next time or promising to try to do better next time. And I think that's part. Yeah. It's really part of the healing if you want to continue moving on. And not only the healing, but it's part of that communication journey where one person has the confidence to say to the other person what didn't feel good or what hurt them. And then, you know, the other person needs to be a great listener and say, thank you for sharing, learn from it, and then move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very good yeah. advice. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. So let's just remind everybody that this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We're Carol and David, and we're having an amazing discussion with sexologist Dr. Holly Richmond about open relationships. And coming up next is our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters, where we'll get some tips and tricks about successful open relationships. We'll continue the discussion. But before we move on, let's just tell everybody a little bit about Topless Travel and some of the amazing trips that we have planned for this year and next year. Absolutely. And if you're looking for the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever, then you simply must book with Topless Travel from Hedonism 2 in Jamaica, Desire in Cancun, and all the Bliss Cruise adventures. Topless travel needs to be your number one choice. And of course, the trips are all about pushing boundaries or exploring your naughty side and meeting and partying with tons of sexy fun people. Let's just shout out to their exclusive sexy host couples, including Party Mark. And they're there to ensure that you have one hell of a sexy vacation. And as you know, you'll find us on many of the amazing topless travel trips. But listen up, we're going to be back at Hedonism 2 for their topless hedonistic Halloween event from October 21st to 28, 2023. And then we're going back in February 2024 for their sexy silver event from the 17th to the 24th of February 2024. And new for 2024, I've just said that four times. That's okay. <laughs> Got lots of Travel <laughs> is putting together not one, but two bucket list trips from which we'll be broadcasting. First, we're going to be exploring the ancient pyramids of Egypt, followed by a seven-day riverboat cruise down the Nile. This is going to happen from the 2nd to the 13th of March 2024. It is absolutely a once-in-a-lifetime adventure experiencing history with lots of sexy, fun, open-minded friends. And on the second bucket list trip, we'll be heading to Kenya for an African safari to witness the Great Migration. Glamping in the wild savanna from September 2nd to 11th, 2024. This event is officially sold out, but you can still get on a wait list in case someone cancels. It's like next September, not even this September. So usually there are some cancellations. So if you're still interested, just put your name on the list for cancellations. Absolutely. And if you don't want to miss any of these amazing adventures with other sexy, open-minded friends, then go and book your spot today before it's too late. And of course, for more information, you can always go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com and click on the Topless Travel Events link to book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. And as a quick reminder, if you are looking for an open-minded relationship, uh, an online community such as sdc.com will help you find compatible people and events in your area. And if you use promo code 30314, you'll be able to get your first month free. That's sdc.com and the promo code is 30314. Alrighty, that was a mouthful of trips. We got a lot planned. We always travel in the winter. So if you want to travel with us, just go check out our website where we're going. We'd love to see you there. Alrighty, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. It's time to get back to our show. It's now time for our favorite part of the show We get where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. I think now we are going to jump into some tips and tricks, although we already started with some of those things that we talked about with Dr. Holly last segment... But I want to get to one question that I wanted to ask Holly earlier on because um, I think it's a great segue into what we're going to talk about. And the question I have is, what about love and its relationship to great sex? Yeah, I think if I'm sitting squarely in my sex positive lens, which is all sex is good sex, as long as it's consensual and pleasurable, I have to say love isn't necessary 
And for a lot of people, it makes a huge difference. But I don't want to pathologize sex with someone you don't love. Some people get off on quickies with strangers. Yay, fantastic. Other people have to have that quality of love. And within that, when I see that more loving bond, that's when we reach that quality of transcendence in sex, which for people in the lifestyle, especially in the BDSM community, like that, that aspect of transcendence is, is really powerful. Now, I know some people, especially some of my very good friends who happen to be vanilla, uh, always say a very common thing they say is that I can't understand how you can have sex with somebody you don't love. How yeah. do you answer that? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to answer it kindly. Um, I just, it would, I, I don't think they understand the pleasure, the play of like being at a swingers party or being at a sex club. Um, it just feels very patriarchal. Like when I hear that, I'm just like sucked back into the 50s or 60s and this model of marriage that just doesn't serve us anymore. And it's really, it's not just puritanical, but it's patriarchal patriarchal because it tends to pathologize women in that right oh if we're not having sex within marriage or at least sex with love somehow or a slut or shameful right exactly one i'm with of, you one of the questions we have been asked i don't know how many thousand times over all the years that we've been in the lifestyle is how do you let someone else fuck your wife or, or husband, because right. it's hot. Yeah, right. It's hot. Like, <laughs> I find it a huge turn on. Yes, but the majority of the but population. How do, you, how do you explain that yeah. it can be a turn on? Um, how do I explain it? Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh my gosh, it just flew out of my mind. It, it'll come back to me. But just David, when we were chatting, I don't know if this was on air or right before. Like Carol's pleasure is your pleasure. Exactly. Right. So that feeling of just like when she's happy, you're happy. You don't own her. Right. So again, now we're bucking that system of monogamy and patriarchy. Um, having her be a, seeing our partner as a differentiated person is almost across the board. What the data shows makes our partner sexiest to us. So for some people, it's going to be when I see my husband and a Sue and he's giving a speech in front of 200 people or when I see my partner out digging the dirt and she's just so sexy because I know how much she loves gardening for people in the sex positive open space. It's like when I see my partner differentiate differentiated from me, I don't own her. I don't own him. He is his own person. And look at him feeling alive. Yeah, that is an cool. awesome way of explaining Now, I'm not normally it. the word person yeah. on this show, but is the word you were looking for compersion? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, it's not limerence. It's the opposite of jealousy. It's Yay, David. Yay, David. Oh, my gosh. David. <laughs> yes. yes. The listeners are going to be um, laughing David, right now. thank you. Yes, oh, yeah. That's good. Why and, don't you explain um, uh, compersion then I, since you were going to bring it up? Yeah, yeah. So compersion is the opposite of jealousy. So the compersion has, there is no threat. It is that feeling of utter elation to see your partner feeling good, feeling like their authentic self, expressing themselves, feeling joy, feeling pleasure. Yes, absolutely. That's great. You know, sometimes when we're playing with another couple and I'm done and I'm just lying there, I get so turned on and so goosebumpy when I see Carol being pleasured by someone else and he's bringing her to orgasm or she's bringing her to orgasm. And it's just like one of those wonderful feelings. And you can't explain that to someone because you just can't. And um, that's why we love being in the lifestyle because of the excitement, because of it's always changing, because it's always spicy. And we know we're going home with each other and nobody's a better fuck than, than Carol. So you're, that's exactly what you said. There's no threat to our, to our relationship. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, if, if we're looking at attachment psychology, right? So like what makes, what, what brings so much fire to that limerence period? And for your listeners who don't know, limerence is the honeymoon phase. It can last anywhere from three months to three years, but it is a cocktail of hormones and energy that is just fire. And we can't live in limerence because we have literally burn out our nervous system. Right. Like it is just so good, like that new relationship energy. But what happens is we get, so that requires insecure attachment. Someone is new. We're not feeling safe. That little bit of risk makes sex so hot. But as we're together year after year after year, that attachment becomes more secure and that person becomes family. 
of course, that is wonderful. That's fantastic. But no one wants to fuck their family. Right. Right. So this idea of being open and this idea of differentiation, I can see you as other than me. And wow, is that hot? Yeah, no, that's a very, very cool Cool. way to put it. I don't know if we've even had that kind of explanation. I like that a lot. Yeah. All righty. Let's get into some tips and tricks. I'd like some specific things that maybe you've seen them or or what they've, how they've worked, but explaining specifically how you can have an open relationship and be successful in your primary relationship as well. Mm, Okay. The first thing I'm going to say is make sure you are still prioritizing the primary relationship. So where a lot of my couples get into a little bit of trouble and it's really, it's going well but everything becomes about the lifestyle or everything becomes about a party or hooking up with another person. And every weekend is full with that. And one usually says, Oh, what's for me? Am I special anymore? Am I getting my time? So I would say this is so fun and it's so exciting, uh, especially when you first get into it, but make sure you're still prioritizing your primary partner and doing things just for the two of you that might not have anything to do with sex. And I know when we first started in the lifestyle, I was always nervous. Uh, yes, I was excited to do it. And believe me, I wanted to do it. Dave is not like he pulled me into this and I didn't want to do it. I absolutely wanted to do it. But there was always the nerves before. And I kind of had like a routine almost. I had to go through what I was going to wear first and, and and get his approval. So I looked hot, you know, just not just for him, but for an, anyone who's looking at me. So I, I think that that was one of the things that helped us be successful in opening up. Like we had our routine before going out there and meeting the people we were going to meet. Yeah. And I, I wonder for the two of you, I have a lot of couples that play together. So not just like, I don't want to say normal sex, but not just like the usual sex that they have had. But Carol, you just, you made me think of it, um, getting dressed up. So a lot of my couples, if they're into going to parties and getting dressed up, they will do it just for each other at home or they'll buy a stripper pole or, um, you know, the the sheets and blankets that you were talking about, like anything or Sibian or sex toys, like something that brings the elements of the lifestyle into their bedroom. But it's just for the two of them. No, for that's sure. very we nice. definitely yeah. do that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially during yeah. COVID when we can't we were not able to touch anybody. We became experts on bringing that in in our minds, in our fantasies, in our toy collection. Sex toys. <laughs> yeah. Books with different sex positions, Kama Sutra books. You know, there's so much yeah. content out there that you can bring into your couple to spice it up um, where you know, you you know how to spice things up. You know how to have different sex. And then if you decide to open up, it's not like a total culture shock where all of a sudden, you know, there's there's a bunch of naked bodies around you because you've seen it in a book and you've uh, role played and you've brought toys in and maybe, you know, you've never tried DP, but you did it with your partner in a dildo. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. Sex toys are just the best. Um, for men too, these are not, or for male-bodied people too, not just for female-bodied people. Um, I just, I had a, a couple do a really creative thing, and you guys probably know this. It turns her on to get dressed up and be used and bought. So they put up a stripper pole, and she becomes a stripper. But he does not get anything unless he pays her. So yeah. they keep a stack of two hundred one dollar bills in their house just for when they want to pay play together, and and she literally gets paid like this is not play money she gets paid and she goes and does whatever she wants to do with it the day after that's very fun i like that a lot of course using your imagination really helps to open up this the relationship in a nice controlled manner and then maybe fulfill some of those fantasies or not even but what about boundaries how important where where do you make the rules for boundaries when it comes to open relationships Yeah, uh, from the get go, like don't go anywhere without the boundaries. And um, David, you mentioned some of them a few minutes ago in the first segment. Are we kissing? Are we full swapping? Are we soft swapping? Are we? um, So David, let's say that your special name for Carol is gorgeous. Are you allowed to call other women gorgeous? Mm. Like what's just for Carol? What's for other people? Do we do this just when we travel? Are we doing this in our hometown? I mean, nothing can happen without boundaries and they need to be constantly negotiated, except maybe for a couple like you, maybe after um, 
a decade or more of doing this, the boundaries are pretty firm. But for most of my couples, I'm just helping them from from the start. So um, those I'm founding that they figure out the boundaries that work and the ones that don't. And one of the things we'll tell any newbie couple, anybody going in is once you've established your boundaries, that's great. You obviously have good communication to talk about this stuff. Don't change it on the fly. There's things you're going to see, things you're going to want to do. Do it next time. It's not going to go away, but don't change it on the fly because that's when things have a tendency to go sideways and not and make that wonderful evening not so wonderful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've seen that so many times where one partner leaves and they're like, that was the best time ever. And they're excited to talk about it. And the other partner is like, what the fuck? I thought we said we weren't going to do that. Right. And we did it. And yeah. Yeah, that definitely can that happen. That has never happened to us. <laughs> no, ever. no, no, no. <laughs> not in David's mind, but not in my all. mind, perhaps. <laughs> no, he owns up to it. He definitely Absolutely. knows where he fucked up. And it's genetic, though. It's it's a male thing. Well, you say that. That's your excuse. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't think it's a genetic thing at all. Two women wanting to have a threesome with me and pull me into this room. The mistake was I didn't tell Carol that they were right. taking me. Yes, and so. I didn't. And we mm. play together. That's our biggest rule. And you're right. We are. We don't have to talk about our boundaries anymore because we're very clear on our boundaries. And now we, of course, stick to our boundaries. It's not an issue. Communication. Um, Just talk but, to each other. Uh, yeah, at that time, one of our main boundaries that we stay together. And I Same told room. You, same and bed, I, yeah, same pile. Exactly. And I mentioned how nervous I am, even though I'm not a shy person at all and I love sex, but I'm still very nervous. Even now, every time we go into a new situation that's a swing, I like to have my rock beside me. So, And, I, and he really calms my nerves. And when he wasn't there, uh, yeah, it was an issue, literally across the room. But just so you know, he was not there beside me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can imagine how, how that conversation went. So I know honesty gets talked about, honesty and respect, we talk about a whole lot. How do you guide your clients about honesty and respect? Mm -hmm. I tend to use the word transparency instead of honesty because sometimes the honesty, um, it can sting a little bit. So I want to make sure that it's always, yes, you said with, with respect, I would say with compassion. But what I'm really looking for is transparency tell me what you're thinking, tell me what you're feeling, what's hurting your feelings, what are you not agreeing with here? Um, I'm going to be able to hear what you're saying to me and reflect it back to you in a, in a compassionate way. Yeah, very nice. I like that a lot. And is it often that uh, couples you see are not transparent? Is that a common problem? I, I mean, not, not in this situation. I mean, that would be a huge problem problem for me if I was trying to help a couple open up and they weren't being honest or transparent. Um, I'm never going to call out one of the members of the couple, but I'm really going to encourage like, let's put everything on the table mm -hmm. because I mean, this is to me like that. I don't want to be too, um, I don't know what the word is like that just taints the whole idea. Right. Like th this, it's not about secrets and it's not about hiding and it's not about cheating or infidelity. Like it's the opposite of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to make sure that that stays that way with that yeah. primary couple. Now we did yeah. talk about it briefly. Uh, I don't remember on what show it was, but I would like to get into more about couples who have children and have had to, for one reason or another, alter their sex lives and I know that you're, you're a very big advocate of not doing that. What would you say to those couples who have kids at home? Um, the first thing is don't make your children the center of their life because I promise you that's going to fuck them up after 18 years. They, like I was just saying, couples need to see the differentiation. Kids, too, need to feel like they are their own people and that their mom and dad's life or their mom and moms or their dad and dad's like don't revolve around them. That is a lot of expectation. Um, of course, we need to prioritize our children and this is age dependent and developmentally appropriate. So obviously you're gonna prioritize a newborn. They're pretty much gonna be the center of your universe because that's how evolution is set up. I get it. The second thing is parents who aren't having sex are not very happy people for the most part. Even if one of them is is says, I don't care if we ever have sex again. And I can't even tell you how many times I have heard that. I have so many people walk through my door and say, I don't care if I ever have sex again. I'm over it. I'm overwhelmed. The other partner is usually like, I do care. So there's going to be inherent conflict there in a not very 
happy, connected, attuned home because there's resentment. So uh, to me, it goes, the couple prioritizes the couple, then they prioritize the kids, and then they prioritize work, and then they prioritize family. Now, my caveat here is obviously that has to be flexible. If a child is sick, if a child has a developmental problem or something specific is going on, the child needs to come to the top, right? But really, to me, it needs to start with a couple or sometimes work is going to have to come to the top. Sometimes someone's mom or dad is going to have to come to the top. But if the couple stops prioritizing each other, um, they often get into trouble and, and are walking through my door. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, now, and of course, having kids, uh, I don't know, some that sometimes you don't have sex because you don't want them to hear you. Sometimes you're not having sex because you want to hear them. Um, but you kind of mm-hmm. have to get over that, right? Yes. Yeah, you do. Um, I love quickies. So for my parents with young kids, I'm like, it just, it doesn't have to be perfect. All the stars don't have to be aligned. Take literally five minutes, 10 minutes, go in your room, if you got a walk-in closet, great. Go there. Go to the bathroom. In the shower. Say mom and dad need some privacy. Have fun with it. Um, but I just feel like people get in their own way because they're like, I haven't shaved. I didn't do this. My, I feel like my body's not looking great. Uh, no, no. Yeah. No one is criticizing your body when you're having sex. And just have that beautiful connected moment. And then so imagine you have sex in the bathroom and it's a quickie and it's hot and it's subversive, which makes it even hotter. And then you walk back out to the living room where your kids are sitting there on their iPad and the two of you have this little secret between you and you're feeling so connected. Then the kids are feeling connected. Like it just like the energy of the room is so much better. I just want to remind everybody that sex doesn't mean penetrative sex. It could be all right. sorts of things that you can do uh, with your quickie uh, or your little secret rendezvous that you have. It does not have to mean that you're going to bend over and he's going to do you from behind. It can be a lot of things. What, what would you suggest? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Whatever you're up for in the moment for sometimes it's going to be, I would love to get penetrated right now. And other times it's like, I would like to give you a blow job and, and that's it. Um, and I have couples that deal with the kids and sex in all different ways. Um, I have uh, one couple that I admire so much that has like uh, six, 10 and 15 and they just say, Hey, we're going to have sex. Leave us alone for an hour. <laughs> Good. I love that. Great. I love that. And yeah, other parents, you know, are really want to be um, more discreet about it. So they, you know, it's just more discreet. Uh, some parents are going to put a spoon on their door. Hey, if the spoon is on the door, don't come in. There's an age that kids are going to get to. They're going to know what's going on. So you might as well talk about it. Yeah, I can remember seeing a TV show where uh, the husband and wife were like excusing themselves from the living room and we'll be back in 10 minutes. Well, you know, you're going to have sex, mom. It's okay. (laughs) That's funny. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And kids these days, uh, to me, better to say than not to say. But again, like this is different for a three-year-old and a 10-year-old. So really what's developmentally appropriate and what's right for your child. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. We're getting to the end of the show, but we cannot let you go without hearing about this amazing retreat you have in Mexico about sex and psychedelics. I am so excited. So this is September 20th through 24th, 2023. Unlike all your wonderful trips, which I'm literally, I almost couldn't stop myself from logging on and like, (laughs) click, 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 click. Um, So this uh, September 20th through 24th, it's called Opening to Eros, E-R-O-S. So that's Opening to Life Force, Vitality, Vivacity, but with a really sex positive sexuality focus to it. So it is about an hour and a half south of Mexico City, very safe. We will get you from the airport, drive you to the retreat center. This retreat is just for five couples. Um, There's only two spots left. So if you're interested, um, I'm gonna give you the website, all of that. The medicine that I work with is called 5-M-E-O-D-M-T. Um, and we're going to be working it with it in a smaller dose uh, one day and a larger dose the next day with your partner um, and just experiencing that openness, um, confronting any shadows that you have. So shadows are those parts of ourselves that that we aren't quite embodied with, quite attuned to. The medicine can really show you those and help work through it. Um, so it's five days. Uh, you land on a Wednesday, Thursday, we do medicine, integration, a workshop, Friday, medicine, integration, a workshop, 
Saturday, a visit to town and a workshop. Sunday, another little workshop. And Sunday afternoon, you fly home. So I'm designing all of these workshops. It's going to be about um, Tantra, mindful sex, um, a version of orgasmic meditation. Uh, So we'll do some things in a group. There's going to be no nakedness in the group setting, but I'm going to give you homework every night to take back to your lovely room and practice with each other. Um, We'll do some edging, all kinds of sex. So this is, again, Carol, to your point, not just about penetration. Everything is going to be on the table, and it's really about eroticism, not just sex. Wow, that is awesome. And you do it with your couple, your partner. You don't have to be married, uh, just whoever you choose to bring with you. And when you talk about the medicine, these are psychedelics, and what is the purpose? The purpose is, again, to open your consciousness uh, in ways that, that we can't when we're usually like when our mind is running the show. So it just um, kind of deconstructs those boundaries, those barriers. And again, um, if there's a struggle with your partner, and it uh, obviously it doesn't have to be a big one, um, but it just helps you see that in a more compassionate, empathetic way. It can completely reframe it because the 5-MeO-DMT, it just comes in on that subconscious level, kind of breaks down the duality again. There's not me in the world, but there's me and the world. There's me and my partner. It's all integrated. How can I understand that better to support us being together? Wow, that really sounds amazing. Thank you for that explanation. Now, we are coming to the end of the show, like David said, and we do like to leave with a little bit of advice. What would you say would be the top two things that couples should consider before going from monogamous to non-monogamous? Mm-hmm. I love this question. Um, So the first thing to consider and ask yourself is, who am I doing this for? I love that. The second question is, how do I know I want to do it? Mm -hmm. Um, So from my somatic psychology perspective, I ask how questions instead of why questions. So why is going to keep us in our head typically, like it just goes round and around. A how is a process oriented and we can bring in the body. So how do I not, how do I know I want to do this? Mm-hmm. Do I feel excited about it or do I feel a sense of dread? Is it anxious or is it intuition? So we just really check in with ourselves. Who am I doing this for? How do I know I want to? Wow, that's very, very interesting. Um I guess, look, point of view on how to determine if this is going to be good for you or not. I, I like that it. a lot. That's great. Alrighty, yeah. we're, at, we're at the end of the show. Wow, that was great. Thank you so much. Dr. Holly Richmond, thank you so much for sharing all that great information. Why don't you take a minute now and remind everyone how they can reach out to you, get a consultation about your trip to Mexico and all that good stuff. Oh, thank you, you guys. This was so much fun. Um, so my website is drhollyrichmond.com. It's D-R-H-O-L-L-Y-R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D.com. Um, Instagram is a great place to find out what I am up to. So you can DM me. Um, my Instagram is drhollyrichmond. Uh, you can send me an email, drhollyrichmond at gmail.com, or you can email me through my website. Uh, the retreat is through Tandava Retreats, T-A-N-D-A-V-A retreats.com. Um, under special retreats, and you'll see opening to Eros. Wow, very, very cool. And of course, if you missed any of this information, you can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where every one of our guests has their own guest page, and you can even contact them there if you have any questions about their work or their retreats or anything at all. Exactly. So, you know, we're learning more and more every week from all our great guests. We hope you do too. And, you know, if you have any questions at all, you can, you can always send us an email at ask at com. Wow, the end of another great show with another awesome guest. Dr. Holly Richmond, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. You guys are lovely, and I know uh, I will see you again in the future. For sure. We absolutely will make that happen. And like we do every week, we want to thank all our listeners for being here week in and week out. And remember to join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex sexuality, sexual health and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I and Holly send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank 
Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever.